0: You are listening to Mrs. Miracle's Music Room Podcast, episode number five. Hi everyone, this is Aileen Miracle from Mrs. Miracle's Music Room, and I'm really excited to to talk about learning centers with you today. Learning centers are a particular passion of mine, something that I really love to do in my classroom for a variety of reasons, which I'll get into today. So the first thing I wanna talk about is what are learning centers? Learning centers are stations that students can complete a specific task at. And typically I have all of my centers rotating around the same topic, so I might have like Tan-Titi Learning Centers or Instruments of the Orchestra Learning Centers or Somi Learning Centers or whatever that might be and at each station they have to do a task and then every five or so minutes, whatever you decide, all of the students in that group rotate to the next center. So all of the groups rotate until everybody has had a turn to do all of the centers So typically in this kind of lesson, it would be centers for the whole lesson. So you wouldn't have, you know, however many songs, like five to six songs with beautiful transitions in between. It wouldn't be that typical Kodai-inspired lesson model for those of you who are um, Kodai-trained. It is a little different. So I also want to talk to you about why I first started using learning centers. A few reasons. First I actually learned about centers my very first year of teaching. I started off my career in Utica Community Schools in Utica, Michigan, which is also my alma mater, and my mentor, her name was Gail, and she showed me learning centers, which I thought at the time was really cool, and I tried it out and it was successful, but then right after that, the summer right after that, I started my Kodai training and just fell in love with that typical Kodai inspired lesson model that I just talked about. So I kind of just kind of forgot about learning centers and, you know, dived right into the Kodai model of lesson planning. And it wasn't until, well, I think my daughter was in kindergarten at the time and she's now in seventh grade. So I guess it's six years ago that I started rethinking that, you know, thinking back onto my experience, my first year of teaching And then I had seen my friend Nissa Brown present a few different times about student-centered learning, a student-centered music classroom. And I had to be honest with myself, I knew that a lot of my teaching was pretty teacher-centered So Nyssa, of course, because she's such a phenomenal presenter, has some really awesome strategies for helping to foster a more student-centered environment, but I started thinking about additional ways I could do that, and I thought about learning centers. At that point, like I just said, my daughter Jenna, who's now in seventh grade, was in kindergarten, and she actually went to the same school as me. I was her music teacher from kindergarten through fifth grade, and her kindergarten classroom was kind of like diagonal across the hall for me. And so I would just pop my head in every now and then to say hi to her. And I could see what was going on in the classroom. And they did centers pretty often. If you've ever been in a kindergarten classroom, you would see that. It's pretty typical for them to do centers or stations pretty often. And so at one station, they might be practicing the letter J by making, you know, a Play-Doh j at another station they might be tracing j a bunch of times at another station so you know if they're practicing the letter j they're doing it in a variety of different ways at each station so i started thinking about well i wonder if i could apply this to my music classroom and at that point i knew i wanted to do a TON tt summative assessment for my first graders but i just felt like even though with most of the lessons that i do I have like a rhythmic portion and a melodic portion typically. I felt like in this lesson, even though it wasn't a presentation lesson or a make-conscious lesson, I wanted it to be all rhythm so that I knew they were really ready for the tan T -T summative assessment. So it was kind of all those reasons right there. I wanted it to be more student-centered. I um, had seen it work really well in a kindergarten classroom. And I wanted to focus on one concept. So I started thinking about how to do centers in my classroom. And I will be honest, I had some really amazing Kodai training, which I'm so thankful for. And it's really made me um, the teacher I am today. But I did have a little bit of hesitation about doing this because I had been trained. And in, 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 this isn't to say that Kodai is a method. I actually kind of, I really don't like using the word method for Kodai because it is a philosophy. There are so many different ways of doing it. It's not this prescribed way of doing things, but the way that it's been interpreted has been to have, you know, six to seven songs with these beautiful transitions. And it's really a beautiful thing, but sometimes you need something different. And I had to kind of set aside my guilt for wanting to do something different and be okay with that. And know that every now and then you do need to do something that's a little different to help meet your students needs. And we'll talk more about what those needs are in a little bit here. So now on to different learning center models. When I first started, I did four centers. So each center had something slightly different at it. And I had students spend five minutes at each center before rotating them to the next center. Now... Just a little word of note, I just started using wind chimes this year to get students to rotate to the next center, and that's worked really well. So instead of me yelling out, hey, everyone, it's time to switch, I will just you know, play the wind chimes, and they know to be quiet and to watch for me if I start moving my hands around, like rotate to the next center, everyone, they know it's time to rotate. You can also use the wind chimes just to give directions as well. So I started with four centers, five minutes at each, with about a five-minute explanation at the start of the lesson. So they knew exactly what each center entailed. I have done more than four centers, though, and I've also done a little bit more than five minutes. So it kind of depends on what you need. I've done five to six centers, but I also have 15 minutes with the students for grades one through five. So that definitely helps. Even sometimes with 15 minutes, I find that four centers, after the kids come in and do a singing game and we do our greetings and... I explain all the centers. Four centers can be plenty too. You might choose if you, especially if you have, you know, 30 minutes or less, you might choose to spread out the centers over two lessons. Um, So you might have the students go to two centers during one lesson and the next two centers at the next lesson. It really depends on how long you have students for. Another learning center model I've used is where students get to choose their own center, which is a really fun way of doing it. So typically for grouping, I might say, you know, if you're a magic number, because my students have magic numbers given to them by their classroom teachers. So if your magic number is one through six, go to center one. If your magic number is seven through 12, etc. I have also done homogeneous and heterogeneous where it's not random. So I might have, you know, students of all one ability at a center or heterogeneous would be, like you have two students who are doing really well, two students who are, you know, doing satisfactory work with that particular concept, and then one or two students who are struggling a little bit, which is great for intervention, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, So you can split them up however you want, but with the choose your own center, I just explain all the centers you might have. I find more than four helpful for this if you're going to have them choose their own center. So I, when I've done this before, I've done six centers, and I've explained all the six centers, and then I've just said, you can, rot- you can go to whichever center you want, and you can change centers whenever you want, whenever you're done with that task at that center. But I do tell students, I suggest going to at least two to three centers so you might you know have some kind of minimum that you're shooting for so with that kind of center you might play the wind chimes and just say to students okay if you haven't switched yet you probably want to do that just to kind of help keep them on track but what's really great about that is the choose your own center they can just go to whichever one kind of sounds the most fun to them and they can switch whenever They want to. Sometimes when you have a prescribed amount of time, like if you have just five minutes and you're switching, sometimes kids just don't get to finish their work at that center. So the choose your own center is a good solution for that. And then I've also done intervention during centers. And in that scenario, if you're having students choose their own centers, you can just pull students whenever you want. And these are students that you have figured out beforehand are struggling with that particular concept. When you do this, you can pull them aside to your desk and ask them some questions to help them to help figure out where their breakdown of knowledge is. So, for example, if I'm doing intervention for Tt I could ask a student how many syllables are in the word dog and then how many syllables are in the word rabbit. If they're struggling with that, then that can be a big reason why they're struggling with Tt And then you can go on to, like, read this pattern to me, copy this pattern for me, and it could be like ti-ti-ta, ti-ti-ta, and they just have to copy it down on a piece of paper. And then you can get to dictation where you're playing it, and they have to dictate it. And again, you can see where their breakdown of knowledge is, but then the beautiful thing is you can work with them one-on-one to help them figure out, you know, why they're having difficulty or explain why the answer is wrong or anything like that. It's really helpful. And then for um, like melodic intervention, you could have students point out like, is this note on a line or in a space? Which liner space? And then you could sing two notes like, are these notes the same? Or is the second one higher or lower? So you could go like, loo, loo, and they have to figure out that the notes are the same. And if they say they're different or they say that the second one's higher, then again, you know where that breakdown of knowledge is. So it's really helpful. Another great thing about centers is that you could do small group assessment or individual assessment during the centers. Sometimes it's just so hard in a group when you have a class of like 25 kids and you're seeing them once a week or whatever that might be. It can be really hard to do that small group or individual assessment, but centers really allows time for that. So like for ta and ti-ti, you could have students at one center read individually to you five different patterns. And then you can hear, are they able to read to a steady beat? Are they confusing the names of the rhythm syllables? Like are they calling ti-ti, ta-ta? Or um, I just did this with my first graders a couple weeks ago. And my students, a few of them were actually calling ti-ti just ti. So instead of saying ta-ta, ti-ti-ta... They were reading ta, ta, ti, ta, which I found very interesting. So then you're able to work with them one-on-one to kind of just fix that little mistake, which you're not going to hear that in a whole group. But when you're listening to them individually, you will hear that. You could also have students in a small group work with manipulatives. So you're able to monitor them really closely to see You know, if you're doing melodic dictation or rhythmic dictation to really see where they're at with it instead of having to, you know, watch 25 kids in a small amount of time, you're able to just focus on five or six kids. So there really are so many different options that you could do. Now, keep in mind that if you do assessment during centers, you really kind of have to be anchored at that center. So the other centers, you would want them to be pretty low maintenance where students wouldn't have a ton of questions because if you're anchored at one center, it would just be hard to explain or help out with a center if you're supposed to be anchored at another center. So I wanted to give you some specific examples of learning centers. Um, I'm going to focus on Tan TT today, and I want to give you some ideas that you could do for free. Um, there'll be a couple free downloads that you can get, or there, the centers could be using something that typically you would already have in your classroom. So if we look at ta and titi, I'll give you four lesson ideas. Um, The first one will be rhythm, flashcard, reading. So you could just write out five different patterns. I typically start with something easy like ta, 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 or ta ta ti ti ta and then progressively get a little bit harder so maybe your fifth pattern is ta ti ti ta ta which always seems to be a tricky one they want to put the ti on the third beat or you could do like ta ti 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 ta or something like that so you get progressively harder um, i will put a link in the show notes to a set that are, has all five patterns written up and also has Something else that you could use at a different center. That one is for purchase though So I'm gonna just explain how you could do it for free as well so you just write out five different patterns and then have students stand in a straight line and then just read one at a time Those five patterns and then you can just evaluate on a rubric How they're doing so this would be one where you were anchored as an assessment so for let's say you're giving out the grade of four, it could be they read everything perfectly to a steady beat. Three might be they make a slight mistake here or there, have a slight hesitation. Two might be they're struggling. They're starting to get it when you're helping them out, but it's still kind of a struggle or they're calling the syllables, the you know, the rhythm's the wrong name. And then one is even with your help, they're not able to do it. So that could be one of your centers. At another center you could also use rhythm patterns rhythm flashcards, and you could have those laid out on a stand and then you could put assorted non-pitch percussion like wood blocks hand drums rhythm bells anything like that and students get to choose whichever instrument they want play those patterns on the stands as a whole group I like it I think it works well if you do it as a whole group so everybody plays all six patterns or however many patterns you have out on the stands And then they put away that instrument, and then they get out another instrument and play all six or all eight patterns again. So that could be your second center. At your third center, you could have a rhythm game on an iPad or on a smart board. Um, I have a a couple games that I will link to in the show notes. And to find the show notes, you go to my blog at www.MrsMiraclesMusicRoom.com. And then if you click on Podcast on the top, and you find podcast number five, Learning Centers, you can click on that. And then that will take you to all of the links that I'm sharing with you today. So I have a, I'll have, have a couple games that you might use that are free for download that you could use at this center. And kids can just like all, you know, take turns answering the questions or however you want to do it. And then at the fourth center, you could have some rhythm worksheets for Tan TT. Again, I'm going to put a couple links to some free worksheets that I found on Teachers Pay Teachers. They're actually not by me. One of them is by Jamie Parker and another is by Gina Hudson at So Much Music. In the sets that I will put in the show notes, there's one worksheet from each of those sets that I think would work really well. Like You could just copy double-sided. So one of them is an apple tree dictation, and the other is a spring rhythm worksheet by Gina Hudson, where students figure out whether each word, each spring word, like flower or bee, is a ta or a tt. So you could just do those double-sided, and at that center, you could have the worksheets and the pencils, and students just fill out the worksheets. If they get done with the first side, they just flip over to the second side. So just as a review, the four Centers that I just laid out, and this is actually exactly how I do it with kids. I would explain the four centers in detail, and then I would do a quick review before splitting them up into groups. So, the first one is a rhythm flashcard reading or rhythm pattern reading where they're reading five patterns to you as an assessment. Second one is a rhythm flashcard playing where they're playing a bunch of different patterns on non pitch percussion. And they just switch to a different instrument once they're done at the third one is a rhythm game on the smart board and the fourth one rhythm worksheets So hopefully that gives you some specific free easy ideas to go ahead and try it in your classroom a few things about how to start centers First I would just try one grade level one concept So if you've never done this before go ahead and try to do ta and tt Just try it with one grade level and just see what works for you. What doesn't what would you do differently next time Don't think that this is for every lesson. I do this occasionally when kids have mastered a concept or are close to mastering a specific concept. So you might only do it a few times every year with each grade level. It really kind of depends, but it's not something I do every single music class. So a lot of times I am doing that, you know, beautiful Koday inspired model where we're doing several songs in a lesson with these great transitions. And, you know, you have a folk dance and you have a song and you have some instrument playing. Um, but this is kind of scattered throughout the year as I feel students are ready for it. And then after you've done it with one grade level and you feel successful and comfortable with it, then try branching out. Again, think about your grouping. Are you going to do homogeneous, heterogeneous, random, however you want to do it. Now, if you do want to pull kids out for intervention, I do have a couple helpful blog posts. One is a blog post about data tracking, which I'll leave in the show notes, and if you go to that post, there is a binder that you can download for free by subscribing to my email list, and that helps track data throughout the year, and I found that very helpful when I'm doing centers and I'm pulling kids out for intervention. I also have a blog post that I'll link to in the show notes about rhythm intervention, and in that lesson, I did the six centers where kids can just choose whichever one interests them the most, and then I pulled kids out for intervention. So this will give you a few more specific ideas about how to do intervention. You want to consider your noise level. I really try to make sure that if I have more than one noisy center that they're across the room from each other. I do have a pretty big room, so that's helpful. So you want to think about the size of your room. If your room isn't huge, then kind of consider that when you're you know, putting the centers together. And I have like, you know, kind of like the four ends of the room. I have, you know, north, south, east, west kind of thing where they're pretty far away from each other where I have the centers set up. And like I said, if I have two centers that are pretty noisy, I'll put them across the room from each other. You might also think like, okay, if you know that this center is going to be noisy, just put less noisy instruments at it. So if it's the center with non-pitch percussion, Maybe you won't have kids play drums there, but they'll play maracas and shakers, egg shakers and rhythm bells, things that aren't quite so noisy. I found that to be very helpful too. And then last thing to consider that it will seem very uncontrolled. I definitely had to take a step back and just give up some of that teacher control But there are some really beautiful things that can happen during centers where kids are turning to each other and teaching each other, and they're taking ownership of their learning. It's really a beautiful thing. So I really hope that you're able to dive into it, check it out with one grade level and see how it works for you. I'll also link to a few other blog posts that I think are helpful about learning centers in the show notes. And I do have some learning center sets that you can buy on Teachers Pay Teachers that are helpful if you are like gung-ho yes i'm going to try it with you know with a bunch of different concepts for this particular grade level but hopefully the ideas i gave to you today that were free are ones that you can go ahead and dive into and try out on your own thank you so much for listening today i hope this discussion about learning centers has been helpful to you make sure to check out my show notes by going to my blog and clicking on podcast and then podcast number five Make sure to click subscribe in iTunes so that any new podcasts that come out hit your feed. And also, if you have not gotten a chance to give feedback, give a review in iTunes for this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it because it would help other music educators find this podcast. Let me know if you have any questions and thanks so much. Have a wonderful day.